Please take your Bibles and turn with me at this time to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 26, and verses 69 to 75. Our message series is called Lead Me to the Cross. We are following Jesus' last steps to the cross as recorded for us here in the closing chapters of Matthew. And today we come to Peter's story, Peter's denial of Christ. It is a sobering passage full of both warnings and comforts for those of us who seek to follow Jesus in our lives. It is a tragic story of denial and regret that hits us all a little too close to home. And so this morning we're going to look at Peter's failure to see, that we, to see what we can learn from him and how we can avoid similar mistakes in our own lives. So we're in Matthew 26, verses 69 through 75. Please stand with me for the reading of God's word. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway, where another girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we come to this incident in Peter's life, Lord, I pray that you would examine our own hearts today and that you would help us to examine our own hearts before you. Lord, how are we doing with our public stand for Jesus Christ? Lord, have we gone private or radio silent on that? And do we need a nudge or perhaps more than a nudge from you today? We open our hearts to you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. You know, we all love Peter in the Bible because we all can identify with Peter so much. No disciple loved Jesus so much as Peter. And no disciple failed Jesus so much as Peter. Peter received both the highest commendations from Jesus as well as the sternest of rebukes. And sometimes all in the same day, sometimes in the same hour. (laughs) But you know, the lowest point of Peter's life certainly takes place in today's passage. When he denied his Savior three times the night before Jesus went to the cross. 
There are different ways of denying Christ. Some outright, some more subtle. But any time we hold back on speaking up for Christ out of a sense of embarrassment or shame, we have in some way denied Christ. And we, like Peter, need to seek forgiveness and restoration. Denial of Jesus will always lead to bitter regret. And so we need to learn how to avoid that denial. We also need to learn how to, how to deal with that regret that we will invariably experience when we, like Peter, deny knowing our Lord. There's an outline in your worship guide. I encourage you to take that out to follow along and perhaps jot down some notes as we go. But before we look at Peter's denial itself, we need to look at some things that took place earlier that evening. Because there is a progression, or actually a regression, okay, a slippery slope that we see in the events leading up to Peter's denial. And first off, we see Peter's pride. Peter's pride earlier in the evening when he boasts that, that he would never fall away from Christ. And we have to back up in our chapter to verses 33 and 34. And here we read, Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. This is the pride of saying, that could never happen to me. You ever done that? You ever heard of someone else's sin or, or seen it on the news or, or, or different things like that or heard in the community? And you look at it and you say, oh, that could never happen to me. Peter is overconfident here. Of course, it's easy to be confident before the time of testing or trial comes. Jesus said, all of you, right? That's what he said. All of you will fall away in economy. Peter said, no, no. Yeah, maybe all the others, but not me. Peter thought he was better than the other disciples. Peter thought he knew better than Jesus. The Bible tells us pride goes before a fall, and Peter was never more proud than when he said, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Folks, never say never, okay? We are all capable of falling into great sin. Instead of saying, that could never happen to me, we should say, there but for the grace of God, go I. Peter's pride was his first step down the slippery slope to denial. His next step was spiritual sluggishness. And this took place a little later in the evening when Jesus asked his disciples to watch and pray with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. We looked at this passage a number of weeks ago. Let's go back down and read verses 40 and 41. Then Jesus returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. 
Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And how quickly Peter went from declaring, I'm ready to die with you, to falling asleep in the garden. And when you lose your spiritual zeal or sharpness, when you grow weary or sluggish in your faith, you are standing on dangerous, slippery ground. Peter was on the slippery slope to denial and he didn't even know it. You could even say that he was in denial about his denial. And then Peter's third step down the slippery slope was following Jesus from a distance. We see this in verse 58. But Peter followed him at a distance right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. You know, Peter had boasted that he was ready to die with Christ, but now he follows from a safe distance, okay? Not too close. He quietly makes his way into the courtyards and he sits down with the guards of all people. Peter goes from failing to watch and pray with Jesus in the garden to sitting with Jesus' enemies in the courtyard. And it's a slippery slope. Peter's pride led to spiritual sluggishness, which led to following Jesus from a distance. We need to guard against the same slippery slope in our own lives, lest we end up denying our Lord. Now we come to Peter's three denials. You know, in the the passage previous to this, we looked at Jesus' trial. Remember that? Jesus' trial before Caiaphas, the high priest. And Matthew now moves from the trial of Jesus in the courtroom to what we might call Peter's trial in the courtyard. And we're meant to see the contrast between the two. They come one right after the other. They're taking place at the same time. And while Jesus is inside making the good confession before his accusers, Peter is outside denying Jesus before his accusers. Jesus inside confesses that he is the Messiah. Peter, who had earlier confessed that Jesus is the Messiah, now denies even knowing him. Now we've already looked at the slippery slope leading up to Peter's denials. Now we see a further regression with each of Peter's successive denials. So we want to take a closer look at each one of these denials now. In the first denial, you'll notice, Peter simply says, I I don't know what you're talking about. That's his first denial. Let's look at it, verses 69 and 70. Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Now, this was a pretty mild accusation, okay? This was nothing like what Jesus was going through in his trial inside, right? Peter's not being accused of blasphemy or any crime. She simply said, you were with him. You were with Jesus. And it doesn't even come from from a threatening person. Peter's not being tried before the Sanhedrin, before people of authority. 
It's not even a man but for Peter, but from a woman, not from an older woman, but a girl. Not even a free girl, but a servant girl. Peter's a grown man, and here he is feeling threatened by a servant girl. The Gospel of John tells us that she was the doorkeeper, so she would have seen him when he entered the courtyard uh, with the disciple John. And now she approaches him and says, you were with him, you also, you were with Jesus of Galilee. And you know what, this first trial, it caught Peter off guard, right? He didn't know this one was coming. And maybe, just maybe, he'd been sitting there preparing himself to stand up for Jesus in some grand way. You know, right before the temple guards or the Sanhedrin, maybe he's playing, I'm going to rush in there, and I'm going to do it, I'm going to die with Christ. And instead, what happens? He's caught off guard by the simple statement of a servant girl. And don't we do the same thing sometimes? We say, yeah, I would die for you, Jesus. You know, if they pull me up there, I'd stand up. I wouldn't deny you before them. And then we get tripped up by some simple opportunity to speak a word for Jesus during the day. We need to be ready to speak a word for Jesus at all times. And notice Peter doesn't come, he doesn't come right out and deny Jesus here, right? But notice he doesn't speak up for Jesus either, right? He is deliberately evasive in his answer. How often are we evasive in our answers about Jesus. Oh, yeah, 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 I go to church. Yeah, it's a nice place. Yeah, 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 God's very important to me. Yeah, yeah, these these are important things to me. But are you talking about Jesus? Are you speaking up for Christ? This first denial leads to the second denial, which is much worse. In the first denial, Peter simply says, I don't know what you're talking about. But in the second denial, he denies knowing Christ. And he does it with an oath. Look at verses 71 and 72. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him. And she said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. Now the Gospel of Mark tells us that this girl was also just a servant girl. But you know, this second accusation, it's a little more forceful than the first. It's actually the same accusation, but instead of addressing Peter directly like the first girl did, she directs the accusation to the people around him. That's a little more intimidating, isn't it? She points Peter out to them and speaks to the whole group. She goes, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. That steps up the game a bit, doesn't it? And unfortunately, Peter also steps up his denial. This time he not only denies being with Jesus, he denies even knowing him. And he does so with an oath. And once again, we're meant to see the contrast between Jesus and his trial inside and Peter with this trial outside. Jesus has done, what's he just done inside? He has just taken a solemn oath before Caiaphas the high priest affirming that he is indeed the Christ, the Son of God. The high priest bound him with an oath, and Jesus responded, yes, it is as you say. I am the Christ, the Son of God. And so here Jesus is confessing his identity with an oath. Outside, Peter denies Jesus with an oath. I don't know the man. 
Peter is slipping quickly down the slippery slope. He has moved from a simple lie in the first denial to committing perjury in the second. He has gone from saying, I don't know what you're talking about, to saying, I don't know Jesus. And then the third denial is even worse. Peter denies knowing Jesus again, but this time he does it with curses. Look at verses 73 and 74. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. And then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Matthew tells us this took place after a little while. You wonder, well, how long was that? Well, we've got four Gospels, Gospel of Luke. Luke tells us it was about an hour. Why is that important? It means there was plenty of time for Peter to reflect on what he had done. There's plenty of time for him to confess his sin, to ask God for the help and strength to make a better choice the next time around. You see, Peter is on the slippery slope of denial, and he continues the slide downward. This third time, the accusation is even more intimidating, because this time, a whole group approaches Peter. They say, surely you are one of them. They are no longer simply questioning him about his association with Jesus. They are stating it with certainty. They point to his accent, his Galilean accent, as evidence that he is one of Jesus' followers. Jesus was from Galilee. Peter's obviously from Galilee. It makes sense that they're together. Interestingly, the Gospel of John tells us that the spokesman of this group was a relative of Malchus. Do you know who Malchus was? He was the person... Uh, in the garden where Peter took out his sword and sliced off his ear. This is a relative of Malchus who's speaking. Here the accusation is not simply that Peter was with Jesus, but that he is one of Jesus' followers. And this is yet another way that we can deny Christ. Whenever we deny that we are a Christian, or hide the fact that we go to church or that we belong to the body of believers. This can happen when someone says something to to you like, so you're one of those Christians, aren't you? Or when you're just standing with a group of people, maybe at work or in your neighborhood, and and they're criticizing Christianity or the church, and, and you remain silent. You see, we're the body of Christ, and so when we deny each other, we also deny When this group accuses Peter, Peter starts denying Jesus all over again. Poor Peter. The more he talks, the more he gives himself away, right? His accent makes it plain that he's from Galilee. And so, you know, they say, your accent gives you away. Oh, and he starts talking in his accent to them. Say, no, no, I don't know Jesus. What's the first law of holes? Stop digging. But Peter can't seem to stop. The more he speaks against Christ, the deeper the hole he digs for himself. And Peter's reaction is even stronger this time around because he calls down curses on himself as well as swearing a second oath. And these curses, he's most likely calling on God, let's get this now, calling on God to punish him if what he says is not true. He's probably saying something along these lines, may God strike me dead where I stand if I'm not telling you the truth. 
what grace and love that God did not strike him down where he stood. But that Jesus would lovingly forgive him and restore him instead. You know, earlier in Matthew 16, Jesus, Jesus had pronounced a blessing on Peter. When Peter confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, he pronounced a blessing. He said, blessed are you, Simon. Blessed are you. Because, Jesus had said, because Peter said, Jesus, you're the Messiah. Now Peter calls down curses upon himself as he denies Jesus. Charles Spurgeon comments, lying led to swearing and swearing to cursing, and no one but the Lord knows how much further Peter would have fallen if God hadn't stopped him there. Matthew Henry comments, the way of sin is downhill. And Peter had now reached the very bottom of the slippery slope. He had denied his Lord three times, just as Jesus told him he would. He lied about Jesus. He swore with a false oath. And he called down curses on himself. It doesn't get much worse than that. So now we move from the slippery slope leading up to Peter's denials and from the three denials themselves. And we come to Peter's bitter regret following his denial of Christ. Verses 74 and 75. Immediately, a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. And so Jesus' prophecy from earlier in that evening, it's fulfilled. And notice, there's another irony going on here. Because as his prophecy is being fulfilled outside, what's happening inside? The guards are beating him up. There's smacking him in the face, and they're mocking him, saying, prophesy to us, prophesy to us if you're the Son of God. Well, he is the Son of God, and he prophesied, and it's coming true. And then the crowing of the rooster, that brings Peter back to his senses. He suddenly remembers what Jesus told him about the three denials. Gospel of Luke gives us another detail. It tells us that Jesus, just as the rooster crowed, Jesus apparently was being led out at this time. They were done with him that Jesus turned and looked straight at Peter, their eyes locked. And Peter remembers. Peter, who'd been so confident that he would never deny his Lord, and now he's done it three times, just as Jesus said he would. So Peter goes out outside the courtyard, and he weeps bitterly combination of his three denials, the crowing of the rooster, Jesus' look, remembering Jesus' words, it's all too much for him. Matthew Henry comments, those that have sinned sweetly must weep bitterly, for sooner or later all sin will be bitterness. Now we know from the other Gospels that Peter's tears Praise God, our tears of repentance and regret. Peter is truly sorry for his sin. He is truly sorry that he has denied his Lord 
whom he loves so much. And, and in Peter's case, it's completely different from the case of Judas that we're going to look at next week. And we'll see next week that it's really the difference between, for Peter, life-giving repentance and what for Judas was death-producing remorse. Peter's tears show his true love for Jesus. He wept bitterly because he loved the Lord and he had denied the Lord. Do you love Jesus? Do you weep bitterly when you have failed your Lord? We shouldn't be too hard on Peter. Remember, Peter did not have the Holy Spirit in the same way that we do. The Spirit had not yet been given. Jerome, one of the early church fathers, notes the difference. Without the Spirit, Peter trembled at the voice of a servant girl. With the Spirit, he withstood princes and kings. This is the last time Peter is mentioned by name in the rest of Matthew's Gospel. But we know from the other Gospels that Jesus met privately with him, that Jesus forgave him, that Jesus restored him to service and leadership. And so Peter's fall really stands as a lesson for all of us to guard against sin in our lives, to repent when we do sin, and to know that God stands ready to forgive and restore us when we repent. August Van Rijn writes, What a lesson Peter's fall has been to us. How we can thank God for its solemn warning. His fall, no doubt, has been the means for the rising of many. His restoration has brought many a like-failing believer back to the Lord. And I love what Isaac Williams writes. He says, This incident in Peter's life is recorded for us that all may fear and none may presume. And all may hope. No, no one ever denies Christ in a vacuum. Right? I mean, no, nobody who's following Jesus ever wakes up one morning and decides over breakfast, you know, today's the day I think I'll deny Jesus. It doesn't happen that way. There's always a progression, or, or once again, a regression. There's that slippery slope we follow on the way to denial. We can trace it in Peter's life, and we can trace it in the life of everyone who has ever denied Jesus. So I want to close our message this morning with three applications. They're all in your outline. Three applications for all of us here today. Three ways that we can guard against this happening in our lives. And the first application is this. Guard against pride. Guard against pride. Remember, that was Peter's first step down the slippery slope. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. Pride goes before a fall, so guard against pride in your life. Secondly, never flag in zeal. Never flag in zeal. Remember, spiritual sluggishness was Peter's second step down the slippery slope. You know, we get zealous and passionate and excited about so many things in life. Some people are passionate about politics and others about hobbies or sports or fair treatment. And the list goes on and on and on. But let me ask you this morning, how zealous and passionate and excited are you for the Lord? 
How zealous are you for God? Romans 12, 11 says this, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Don't allow yourself to grow sluggish when it comes to spiritual things, but keep your passion for God and Christ fervent and alive. And then our third application is walk closely with God. Because you see, that was Peter's final mistake right before he denied Christ. He followed Jesus at a distance. At a distance. James 4.8 says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. There's an old saying, you may have heard it before, If God seems far away... Guess who moved? It wasn't him. We walked away first. The people in the courtyard accused Peter of being with Jesus, and Peter denied it. Folks, we should want to be known as people who are with Jesus. That should be our, our desire in life, that people would know that we're with Jesus. If someone asks you, are you a Christian? Are you with Jesus? Say, yeah, I'm with Jesus. And Jesus is with me. So those are three things you can do to avoid the slippery slope that leads to denial. Guard against pride. Never flag in zeal. Walk closely with God. Denial of Jesus will always lead to bitter regret. Some people will experience that regret in this lifetime, like Peter. And they'll have opportunity to repent and be forgiven. Others will not experience it until Christ returns or their life is over. But denial of Jesus always leads to bitter regret. Here's something I can tell you, and you can stand with assurance on this. You will never regret standing up for Jesus. You're never going to regret that move. But oh, how bitterly you will regret being ashamed of your Savior in any way. So my prayer is as a result of this message today that you, you would understand the slippery slope that leads to denial. You know how to guard against it in your life. I pray that you would understand that there's forgiveness. Even for those who've denied Christ, there's forgiveness. And so I pray that you will confess your sin and take your regrets to Jesus. And I pray that you will commit yourself to speaking up for Jesus at every opportunity so that you may avoid the bitter regret of ever denying Jesus again. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for including this story about Peter and the word of God for us. Lord, it truly is a passage full of warning and yet comfort. Warning because we don't want to follow in Peter's footsteps. Comfort because we know when we have failed that you are there for us. We just need to turn from our sin, confess it to you. And you receive us right back into fellowship. You're such a good God, Lord. Lord, we're sorry for the times when we've had opportunity to speak up for you and we've remained silent or we've been evasive. 
However we've denied you, we are sorry, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be unashamed of Christ, unashamed of the gospel, which is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.